0: Okay, well, um, what I want to do today is talk a little bit about this, because I think a new year is a great time. You know, we serve a God who is a God of second chances, and I think a new year is a good time for us to celebrate that and to live into that, this, this idea of second chances, that things can be new. We believe that we are made new because of the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrated his coming uh, in the Advent season, and we're, we can celebrate the newness of a life in Christ in the new year, and we can think about what is this year going to look like? How is it going to be different than last year? We're going to be looking at this, uh, a phrase, because we, we oftentimes, who has made resolutions uh, about their, their physical body in the new year? We can be honest, Many people many people have. Uh, physical resolutions. I was just talking to Paul Mueller. He's a personal trainer. You, and uh, I said, what's your resolution? He said, I don't believe in resolutions, which I found, you know, I sheepishly put my head down because the fittest guy in the room doesn't believe in resolutions, so I guess nobody should. But so, I, I, th- there's this idea, though, of resolutions that we make in the new year. And a lot of us make physical resolutions. And, and we're in a new series right now called Get Fit. Could you tell that We've got a theme going on. I I told them to bring weights that I could actually lift, but five pounds is a little much for me, so we'll see if we can get some smaller ones next time, and I can do some demonstrations. But we are going to be in this series for four weeks, and we're going to be talking about getting fit, but in a very different way. We're going to be talking about the inward life as opposed to the outward life. Uh, In my my family, on on New Year's Eve, this is how fun it is at the Powerhouse, we had a family meeting where we talked about last year's goals and accomplishments, and this year's goals. And we would set goals for um, our lives, just just generally, our goals for our family, what we would want to accomplish, our kids, what they would want to do in school, and things like that. And then we would all have to set some spiritual goal as well. And what we're going to be talking about is what we want to change inwardly. Um, there is a question that John Wesley, who, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, uh, he, he, he had the question that he would always bring up when he was in small gatherings of people. And he would always ask this question How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? That sounds a little old fashioned right now, and maybe a more modern way of saying it would be How's your soul, dude? something like that. Um, but he would say, how is it with your soul? And that, that, boy, if you want to make somebody uncomfortable, ask them that question, right? It seems kind of like a deep thing. And it is supposed to be deep. A lot of people don't give much thought to this. We can think all, all, all the time about how you would like your body to look better how you would like uh, 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 your checkbook to look better, how you would like your car to look better, your house to look better, your career to look better. But when you think about your soul, it seems, for one, more abstract, and then where do you start, right? Where do you start to make your soul, your inward self, look better? But it is very, very important. In fact, as followers of of Jesus and and people who esteem Scripture highly— we have to take seriously what the word says. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4:16 it says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. I am um, 35 going on 36 in 2018. I am, I am, you know, it's, I, I love reading history, and it's fun to find out in, in history not that long ago when I was beyond the, the average life expectancy for the U.S. about 100 years ago, okay? So, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this very deeply, though our outer man is decaying, our bodies break down. Do you know that? Even the people who work really hard to preserve our bodies, they're decaying. But it says this your inner man is being renewed day by day. What it's saying is there's something more important than those physical goals that we all set for ourselves. It also says this in uh, 1 Timothy 4 7. It says this train yourself for a holy life. While physical training has some value, see, it's not saying that physical training has no value, it does, it has a lot of value, but it says for. Uh, While physical training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has promise for this life now and the life to come. For this life now and the life that is to come. And I want to share one more scripture from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 25, it says this, everyone who competes practices self-discipline in everything the runners do this to get a crown of leaves that shrivel up and die but we do it to receive a crown that never dies so now this is how i run not with a clear uh not without a clear goal in sight i fight like a boxer in the ring not like someone who is shadow boxing See, we fight for a clear goal. We run with a clear goal in mind, and that is to strengthen our inner self. Um, I really like reading biographies and and, uh, watching uh, biographical documentaries. Anybody else like that? I find it it fascinating. Um, In fact, this is what's funny about me. I'm not a sports guy, but I like reading sports biographies. Isn't that strange? Um, In fact, I will watch the entire Ken Burns baseball series, But I'd never watch a baseball game. My son, Max, who loves baseball, we tried to watch it together. He's like, Dad, this is just old black and white pictures of baseball games. I'm like, yeah, it's fascinating, right? He didn't think so. But I find it fascinating, especially biographies, even about sports personalities. I find it interesting because I'm interested in people who accomplish things, people who do amazing things. I want to know about their life. I want to know how they did that, don't you? Aren't you interested in people who do big things? Well, here's what's fascinating to me about people who have accomplished things, whether it's in uh, sports or in politics or in in military or in any area of life. Oftentimes, people who have accomplished massive things, when you you find that at the end of their lives, it's the most depressing part of the biography usually. Usually at the end of the biography, you find that these people who are still highly esteemed, that maybe you even would tell your kids, you've got to try hard to be like these people. A lot of the time, these people come out and say at the end of their lives, what what are their biggest regrets? Or that they weren't relationally deep and they weren't spiritually deep. They accomplished so much that you're reading a biography about them, and yet they ended their life bankrupt relationally. They felt like they they didn't know their kids. They felt like they didn't know the people around them in, in a deep relational way. They didn't know their spouse even. They're friends. They didn't know anybody deeply, and they also had no spiritual depth. They didn't really have any relationship with God. And so they died unhappy, even though we look to these people as as role models in many ways. we, We think they did so much. And so this tells us that there's something really important about this inward man. There's something that is more important about the inward than the outward. Now, You could look great on the outside, have a perfect job, perfect lifestyle, and yet be desperate and broken and insecure on the inside, devoid of any sense of true purpose. So for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about some practical steps towards getting fit in a spiritual sense. And when I say practical, I really, really mean practical. Small daily actions that will over time make a big impact on our spiritual lives, Some of the changes that I'm going to propose are going to be small changes, but here's a big takeaway that I want you to get from this series that I think is very, very true. So if if you don't remember anything else from today, remember this. It's the small things that nobody sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. It's the small things that nobody sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. So in our time today... What I want us to do is take some measurements. Who has ever taken measurements when you're trying to get fit? Where you, where you actually get, get that, uh, that, that string and you put it around your arm, you put it around all, all the parts of your body that you're supposed to measure. So what I want to do today is to do the same thing, but in a spiritual sense. In trying to judge this inward man in all of us. Trying to understand from a heart place, how are we doing? Where are we at at the beginning of 2018, and where do we want to be? So we have a little bit of an assessment sheet. Um, If you came in and got a bulletin, you got something. uh, Where did I put mine? I think I put it down here. Or not. So the first question, there's four questions on this assessment sheet. Oh, yeah, I'll take one of those. Thank you. We'll also have it up on the screen too. So how is it with your soul? Deep question, I, I know. And so I'm re- really today, uh, more, than, more than a teaching, this is going to be a reflection. This is going to be kind of a guided reflection of where you're at and then where do you want to be? The first question, and these are all Wesleyan questions, and as I said, uh, John Wesley developed these. Um, you know, good teachers... Don't just share information. They ask questions. The fascinating thing about Jesus Christ is, uh, and it frustrated the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees to no end, was when he was teaching, uh, when they would ask him a question, he would also respond with a question. And that is oftentimes, that's a, that's a Hebrew mindset of, of, of actually sp- uh, spurring discussion as opposed to just remembering facts. Okay, But, this is also a great way for us to learn because not only are you taking in information, you're actually being asked to, to, to reflect upon yourself, and that, that is going to make a big difference in how you respond. So the first question is this, what are the things that I'm engaging in that bring my soul closer to God? Think about that for a second. What are the things that I'm engaging in that bring my soul closer to God? to God. What this question is really getting towards is what are your spiritual habits? What do you do on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Um, worship is one of these things. What draws you closer to God? I know that I feel closer to God when I'm here with all of you and I'm worshiping and I'm, I'm raising my hands and I'm singing songs to God. That, that is one of the ways that, that my heart is drawn closer. Then in your daily life, what do you do that brings you closer to God? Sometimes it might be in, in your car. Do you, do you pray as you go to work? Do you do these kinds of things? Something, or do you read scripture when you get up or before you go to bed at night? Um, there, there's lots of things that can draw you closer to God. What are the habits that you're, that you're doing right now that draw you closer to God? Okay, the second question is this. What are the things that I'm doing that are putting a wedge between God and myself? This is a little bit the inverse of that first question, right? What are the things, the habits that I have, that I do often that put a wedge between me and God? We know from Scripture that one thing that puts a wedge between us and God is this thing called sin. Sin, especially habitual sins, things we're doing constantly, we know that we shouldn't do. Put a wedge between us and God. Oftentimes, when you feel like it's hard for you to worship, a lot of times it's a good thing to think. If, if if you come into this place and you're like, I don't feel like worshiping, I don't want to sing songs to God. Often, it's a good time to take an assessment of yourself. Is there things that are holding me back from God? Something's in my life that is holding me back from God. Sometimes that's sin. There's another thing though called idolatry. Um, And uh, most people think of idolatry like Old Testament idolatry, which was uh, idolatry was when they had false gods, uh, like a golden calf that they would bow down before. Idolatry might look very different in our modern-day sense. Uh, Idolatry is anything that basically takes your eyes off of God, anything that takes your attention away from God. So it might not be bad things. It might be fine things that you're putting in place of God. So, for instance, If you've had a stressful day, does that drive you to eat a bigger dinner? Does that drive you to, I need a glass of wine. I need this. Again, those things might not be altogether bad things for you. They might be legitimate on their own, but are you taking that to replace God as the thing you're looking to for your comfort, for your place of solace in your life? Those things might be... Driving a wedge between you and God. The third question is this. What are the things I'm engaged in that are draining the life out of my soul? Please note that that's not the same question as what's putting a wedge between you and God. Here's how I take this one. What is draining you? A lot of times, what's draining you might be really great things. Really great things. You could be engaged in something. Maybe um, you're, you're involved in a ministry at the church, and it's draining you. It's sucking the life out of you, even though you know this is a good thing. It's something that needs to be done. But maybe that's a good thing, but it's not a God thing. Here's what I mean by that. There can be good things, even necessary things, for the kingdom of God, but it's not for you in this season. Does that make sense? It's not for you in this season. It has to be something that somebody has to do, yes, Uh, our, our church is involved in a lot of missions things. Maybe if, let's say, you've been serving down at Haven Street, you've been feeding people meals for a long, long time, but you feel burned out. You feel like it's draining your soul. Well, maybe it's a time where you say, okay, listen, this is draining me. Maybe I take a break from this because for this season in my life, this is a good thing, but it's not a God thing. And I need to find the God thing for this season. Sometimes we need, to, we need to ask that question. This is a good thing, but is it a God thing? So those things that are draining you, what is it? What is it right now in your life that is draining you from being the person that you need to be? The last question is this. What are the things that I'm doing in my life that really make my soul shine brightly and flourish? What are the things that I'm doing in my life that really make my soul shine brightly and flourish? And I'm, I'm going to give a silence for a minute so that you can think about that. This is phrased in very spiritual terms. I know we're in church, so we talk about spiritual things, right? We should. Maybe take this a little bit just into your personal life because I I don't think there's such a defined difference between the spiritual and um, the non-spiritual, as somebody might put it, worlds. I believe they're very interconnected. So here's another way of asking that question. What gets you really excited? What gets you really jazzed? What gets you amped up? What can you not shut up about when you're with your friends? Maybe there's an issue. Maybe there's something that you just you it, it just you can tell, people can tell because you keep wanting to talk about it and everybody else has moved on to another subject. Think about those things in your life because that's probably an indication that that has something to do with what sets your soul on fire. Now, sometimes that might, you might have to take a couple minutes and think, okay, this gets me really excited. How does that work as as part of my soul and part of my spirit? But but anything that, here's what I believe, is that anything that, that excites something on the inside of you, that sets you on fire, that gets you, just makes you so excited and so amped up that, that that's something that God's probably put on the inside of you. That's That's something those kinds of things are altogether spiritual. I don't think they're just physical. And I think that God has put that on the inside of you. And so I think a good thing to ask yourself is, what does God, God puts, puts desires on the inside of all of our hearts. He makes you great at something. He makes you extraordinary at something. He gives you certain gifts. How does God want to use that for his kingdom? How does God want to use the passions that burn on the inside of you to make this world different for the kingdom of God? I want all of us to reflect on that right now. Now I want to ask a question real quick. Obviously, I'm just introducing these questions today. We're we're not going to leave here with all that figured out. And that's why we wanted to give these to you. And by the way, I'll give that back to you so that you can take this home. I'm going to put one of these on our fridge at home. Hopefully, it doesn't get covered up by drawings of cats and things like that. But I'm going to put this on our fridge. And this week, I'm going to keep asking these questions of myself. So hopefully that as the month goes on, I can keep on reflecting, what are the things I'm engaging in that bring my soul closer to God? What are the things that I'm doing that are putting a wedge between God and myself? What are the things I'm engaged in that are draining the life out of my soul? What are the things I'm doing in my life that, are, that really make my soul shine brightly and flourish? Why does this all matter? It matters because of this. God made you to live an extraordinary life. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this, you're not normal. Some of you really believe that when you say it to your neighbor. You're not normal. Instead, I want you to now say this to your neighbor, you're extraordinary. See, from before history began, God knew who you would be. He knew the great things that you were capable of. He knew the passions that he would put on the inside of your heart. He knew that you were going to make a difference in this world. You were going to change lives, and God knew that. That you were going to be different, and that you were going to be here to make a difference. In fact, the Bible tells us that God knew that you were so important, that even though we were all sinners, we were deserving of death, He sent Jesus so that we could be set free from sin and death, and not only that, so we could live extraordinary lives. That we would be set free from sin and death so that we could live lives that were set apart. Live lives that would be extraordinary, that could change other lives, that could show the love of Jesus in this world. So I want you to start this new year saying to yourself and declaring over your life, that this is going to be an extraordinary year, that you're going to start walking in the extraordinary goodness of God in your life. God has a plan for you this year. God wants you to change this year, to be closer to the likeness of Jesus Christ. He wants all of us to go on a journey towards him. He wants to change us from the inside out. You know, that starts as we come to the table.